So uh, I'm back again, and um, I've been I've been chatting with some some folks. I'm trying to make the rounds and say hi to everyone. And uh, a gentleman along the along the banquet here asked me a, a great question, and I wanted to relay it to you. And he asked me, "Why do we call it Second Story? Is it because we're on the second floor of Webster's Wine Bar?" Well, yes. Partly, but um, the real impetus for the name Second Story comes from the stories that you share with each other after you hear our stories. So we tell our stories to you. They're the first stories, your stories, the second stories. That's great. That's lovely. Excellent. And without further ado, people, here is the third wine. It's from uh, Columbia Valley, Washington. This is actually one of our sponsors from last year. Um, they are Le Col Number no. 41. This is their 2004 Merlot. And this is Rick Walker. A push, kick, a push, kick, a push, kick, coast. I was never a good skater, but I'd push, kick, coast for the ladies in the USA. United States of America. Woo! During the last days of roller disco, 1980, I was a man of 15. Well, not yet men, but my man Steve Wynn and Herman Knight could drive legally, and Greg Eggleston and I were just a summer away from getting our learner's permits. And oh, what a summer it promised to be. No day camp, no summer school, no vacation Bible school. My little sister was staying with my grandparents. Both my brothers were in the military. And my single mother's work schedule made curfew enforcement impossible. The world was my oyster and the United States of America was my oyster bed. The old USA, the place where teenage romance was born. From the outside, it looked like a brick airplane hangar. The bulk of the inside was a wooden roller rink crammed into one corner. In the opposite corner was the refreshment area, complete with year-old hot dogs spinning under a heat lamp. Right next to the food was the skate rental. That made it easier for the same employee to go from handing out skates to slapping a hot dog on a bun for you. Which, when I was 15, never struck me as disgusting. Between the rink and the uh, refreshment area was a carpeted area with chewing gum smashed in that looked like uh, smooth black pebbles scattered around and benches made from those giant wooden wire spools, you know the kind I'm talking about? They looked like uh, they, they had a, a shag carpeting on them, random colors, red, yellow, orange. The whole area looked like a psychedelic mushroom garden. You know what I'm talking about? Well, with one skate atop a mushroom cap, I struck a pose of contrived casualness that only looks cool to department store catalog photographers. Wearing my favorite polyester shirt with a pattern of a photorealistic sunset views from the dock of the bay and my Jordache jeans, I was feeling good. Convinced of my own manliness because I was already six feet tall. But my baby face and irrepressible smile told the world I was still a kid. But looking cool, I shared my pack of Rolos with one of the two cute girls from Cleveland Heights that my man Stacy Wynn and I were talking to. My man Stacy Wynn. 
He was a year older than me and 10 years cooler. Definitely the coolest guy in our four-man crew. At 5'11", Stacy was an inch shorter than me, but if you took our afros into account, he was an inch taller. He was the only guy I've ever met with the name Stacy, but he didn't care that he had a girl's name. He said, uh, I don't care. Helps me relate to women better. He was cool like that, right? He was the first kid I ever met who really seemed comfortable with himself. And out of the four of us, he was the biggest ladies' man, too. And he was always ready to help you upgrade your skills. He had great advice for a 16-year-old. I remember him uh, warning me about trying to be funny all the time by saying, Rick, man, you're so light-skinned and pretty, the ladies love you. Till you open your mouth. (laughs) See, girls like to think you have a serious side, even if you don't. He had acne-free brown skin and a wide, easy smile that made you believe everything he said, no matter how outlandish. Stacy asked one of the cuties from Cleveland Heights, "Um, have you seen my man Rick here on Days of Our Lives? Yeah, he's an actor. Cutie number two, uh, no. Rolo-eating cutie, ooh, I thought you looked familiar. Stacy, yeah, he's off for the summer because we're working on a movie deal. I'm his agent. Stacy said stuff like that with so much confidence that I almost believed him. And it wasn't so much that uh, Stacy was lying, it was more like he was just having a joke and he just wanted to see how far he could take that joke. You could always count on him to tell the truth when it really mattered, like when you needed to wipe your nose or needed a blast of banaca. Or if your underwear was peeking over your jeans. See, I grew up in a time when that was humiliation for a teenager. (laughs) As I offered another Rolo, I spotted my boy Greg Eggleston push kicking it toward us. His eyes locked with mine from across the refreshment area. And as usual, he looked serious. Now because he was so short, he would disappear behind people as he skated. But what Greg lacked in height, he made up for in width. I mean, far from fat, he was like a mini Schwarzenegger. Built like a fire plug, we used to say that his mom gave him 20-pound rattles when he was a baby. Now, Greg was my oldest friend. I don't remember a time before knowing Greg. On the street we grew up on, we used to say that Greg had gremlin blood. You see, if he got angry, he got super strong. Now, it was easy to get him to laugh, but he never made a joke himself. He was always serious. And Greg rolled up beside me and said, somebody's messing with Herm, referring to the fourth guy in our set. As I pushed, kicked away from the Heights cuties, I heard Stacy behind me saying, we're coming back for those numbers, ladies. He was smooth like that. Now, the fact that somebody would be messing with Herman was no surprise. That happened on the regular. Herman Knight. Five foot six and about 12 pounds. Most of that weight came from his very big mouth. I had known Herman since he was eight years old, and he always had a big mouth. He was also the first kid I ever saw talk back to adults. See, Herman was a master in the use of quick repartee to humiliate another, a technique we dubbed the Herman burn. Push, kick, coast. When we got to the far end of the mushrooms, a small crowd had already formed, hoping there might be a fight. 
there were two guys menacing Herman, Trey and Vance. Trey, the leader, was one of those guys who looked mad even when he laughed. 17, athletic, and nearly six feet tall, made even taller by his sweet candy apple red skates. His sidekick, Vance, was thin and, and even taller with an enormous afro. Now, we knew these guys from around the USA, and they were punks. Greg worked his way past a couple of people so he could stand right next to Trey and Vance in case anything went down. That was classic Greg. He always had your back. The verbal exchange was half threats, half Herman Burns. <laughs> Trey, you talk to my girl again, I'm going to bust you up. Herman, I don't talk to Vicky. We just like to exercise lips. You better shut up, you little faggot. If I'm a faggot, your girlfriend's a dude. <laughs> Both Herman and Trey were playing for the crowds. They just had contrasting styles. As usual, Herman was getting laughs, and Trey looked around at the cackling crowd. I could see his embarrassment turning into anger. His, his thick lips narrowed, and his brow dropped. I could see he was about to kill Herman. I tried to use a Jedi mind trick to make Herman shut up, but it wouldn't work. He said, he repeated to the crowd, his girlfriend's a dude. Everybody laughed except Trey. Trey took a step toward Herman. The growing crowd fell silent. I'm going to kick your little ass. You're going to kiss my little what? Ass, I'm going to kick. What? The, the cackling crowd made him realize his mistake. There were people clapping, laughing, slapping fives, literally falling down with laughter. There is nothing funnier to a teenager than another's humiliation. At this point, Trey's options were limited. You know, to save face. Personally, I would have broken off a spate of yo mama jokes. First, I would ridicule her weight then focus on her stupidity and finish off with a diatribe on her sluttiness. Now, <laughs> this technique of deflection was not a part of Trey's repertoire. Nope, he was not a joker. He was a man of action. Trey had to do something, and do something he did. Using the full force of his sinewy arms, he pushed Herman hard. Herman, caught off guard because he was basking in the laughter of the crowd, well, he went down hard skidding on the carpet, skidding enough for a real Herman Byrne, I think. <laughs> the force of that push caused Trey to glide backwards in his skates and with his arms extended like a human cross that asks the question, what you gonna do? <laughs> Some kids rolled away from the action, but with a push kick, Stacy coasted into the middle of it. Always the peacemaker, Stacy liked things light. He liked to have fun. This wasn't fun. Stacy said, relax. When Stacy coasted in, sidekick Vance tried to roll in too. But Greg stuck his foot out. Sidekick Vance's skate didn't go where he expected, so he spun on his other skate, and in an effort to maintain his balance, Vance grabbed the closest thing to him, which just happened to be Janice Hall's enormous left breast. <laughs> Janice, the toughest girl I ever met, was not in skates, and she yelled, uh-uh. 
and started swinging. Beating sidekick Vance to the ground. Hilarious. This brought cheers from the crowd and security into the situation. Within seconds, Trey and Vance were being escorted from the USA. I'm going to get you, yelled Trey with an employee on his arm. Herman. Herman couldn't resist delivering just one more dig before Trey was out the door. Well, I'll be at Amy Joy's eating donuts with your mama. Ooh, yep, that's what the crowd said too. But Stacy smacked Herman on the back of his neck and said, Shut up more often. Damn. And with a push kick, Stacy coasted through the crowd toward a group of girls slapping Greg Five as he passed. With a relieved smile on my face, I turned to the right and ordered another hot dog. The USA closed at 11, and as always, after skating, we drove to Amy Joy's Donuts in Herman's big-ass Electra uh, 225, the deuce and a quarter, a car that I named the Boatmobile. All the way there, Herman and I were trading insults the way two kids play catch. Because Herman couldn't parallel park, we went to the deserted lot out back (laughs) and we parked in one of the few pools of light in the dark parking lot. As we took the short walk to Donut Heaven, Stacy and Herman about 20 feet ahead because Greg and I fell about 20 feet behind, taking turns punching each other in the arm medium hard for, you know, no apparent reason. (laughs) When I heard somebody up ahead of us say, hey, Hey, you got something to say now, pussy? Unbelievable. It was Trey with a four-man posse. They had been waiting maybe for hours to ambush us. I recognized Trey and sidekick Vance, but the other three were complete strangers to me. There was Ugly Thug, Fat Thug, and this old dude with squinty eyes who must have been 25. (laughs) What you gonna say now, huh? demanded Trey. Of course, Herman didn't have anything to say. No crowd, no glory, no point. Stacy didn't miss a beat, though. He stepped forward with both palms extended and said, Oh, come on now, fellas. But that was the end of the conversation. And time stopped. Time stopped everything but action. Like a planned assault, they rushed at us. Sidekick Vance tackled Herman, but the first guy to get to Stacy caught a mouthful of knuckles for his trouble. Trey and Fat Thug piled onto Stacy. Then Greg dove into that pileup head first. Me? I stood frozen in time, stunned. What brought me back to the moment was the flash of pain in my jaw that told me I had just been clocked. I didn't know who had struck me, but standing over me was Ugly Thug winding up to kick me. Flying into my field of vision was a blur that roared named Greg Eggleston. He rang that stranger's bell. Gremlin blood! While Greg threw punishing haymakers with a knee on Ugly Thug's chest, I rushed over to help Herm, who was on his belly getting his face pushed into the blacktop with sidekick Vance on his back. I threw an arm around Vance's neck and pulled, but the angle made the headlock a chokehold. So when I pulled harder, Vance made a panicked, gravelly sound as he strained for air. As Vance struggled against my grip, Herm was up instantly, throwing rabbit punches at Vance's ribs, saying, What now, bitch? (laughs) I released Vance, who fell into a ball. And then, 
That's what it sounded like. Over my right shoulder, just like a percussionist's wood blocks. A sound so sudden, strange, and out of place. Everyone froze for a moment. Then, in sync, we turned to the source of the sound. My eyes landed on the scene in time to see Stacy collapse, making absolutely no attempt to break his fall, his head clapping the blacktop like the last domino. And when Stacy, when Stacy dropped, he revealed that man with the squinty eyes, nostrils flared, twisted smile, and in his hand was a wooden ball bat. I knew in a flash what had happened. That sound that I thought was wood on wood was wood on skull. Trey's guys scattered. We ran to our friend. Stacy lay motionless. I expected to see blood, but there wasn't any. Just the seed of the knot that would later grow on the side of his head. He looked, well, if he had had a blanket, you'd think, he's just having a bad dream. Stacy, Stacy, don't shake him like that, Herm, Greg commanded. Wake up, Stacy, man. What are we going to do, I asked. He'll be all right, asserted Herman. And why wouldn't he be? In our suburban world, everything turned out okay, right? And after what seemed like a lifetime, Stacy opened his eyes, but he didn't focus or answer, answer questions. I asked, what year is it? What are you talking about, man? Herman chided. I don't know. Then Greg stated, we're taking him to the hospital. No, he'll be all right besides, Herman argued. We'll get in trouble. The police, your dad, my parents, they'll kill me. This debate went on entirely too long. And finally, I broke the tie by saying, the hospital. On the way to the ER, Stacy lay across the back seat of the Electra 225, head on my legs, legs on Greg's. And in a lucid moment, Stacy looked up at me and looked at me in the eyes and he said, I got mine, didn't I? I got mine. And at the time, I thought he meant he got in a few good punches. But now I'm not so sure. I got mine, didn't I? And then Stacy had a single convulsion. Even his convulsion was cool. Just a push on my hand, a kick of his legs, and then he coasted to a new world. Push, kick, coast. Oh.